thank you for coming here today. It's me, Linda Sage, on Learning From Life. One thing I can promise you, there'll be people to meet over the airways here you'll never forget. Some, as long as you live. Let's just say, most have had what could be termed as an interesting life. It's not what happens, it's how you deal with it. And one line from any of them could change the way you deal with things forever. They'll be landing from all parts of the planet, all ages, backgrounds and experiences. Telling the truth of how it was and how they manage things may just help you miss a rock or two along your road too. Hi and welcome back. I'm Linda Sage and of course we're learning from life. And yes, again, I have an amazing guest. I know I say it every week, but every week it's true. And today is absolutely no different. I have a gentleman and we're actually going over the other side of the pond. So my gentleman, like most of us, wears many, many hats. He's got a huge background um, and he's also pivoted a lot in uh, the pandemic. So an amazing public speaker, as well as a sales expert, and his technical ability. You can't see this on radio. I wish we sometimes did this on uh, video as well, because he has amazing ways of uh, telling his story on video and on his slides as well. So uh, we can talk about that one, though. But today, joining me right across the pond is Bill Gertine. And Bill, thank you so much for joining me. Linda, it is my honor. Thank you for having me today. And first of all, please just tell us, where are you? I am in Chicago. And so you'll notice I don't have an accent like yours. And so for those who don't get a chance to hear this accent very often, you'll really enjoy the time we have today. <laughs> it's a great accent, actually, because it's really clear and it's quite light. So some of the accents in the U.S. are quite heavy. Yes, they are. So it's and that's I've been a student of that a little bit only because Sometimes when I do role plays, I like to embody the spirit of someone from a different country or a different dialect or accent. And so in my sales training, sometimes I'll pay, take on the personality of one of those voices. And so I, I study them to try to be better at them. Oh, it's, a, it's a great art and technique, I think, being able to put different voices and accents. Not one that I'm very proficient at. Well, I'm getting better, and uh, occasionally I mess it up, but uh, it's fun to try. <laughs> so, Bill, tell us, who, who, who are you, professionally and personally? Well, goodness. Yeah, I, I have begun my life in professional as a radio broadcaster. I started on the air at age 16, uh, which is actually was the youngest licensed radio broadcaster in the state of Illinois at that time, and I enjoyed a brief on-air history, but moved into the sales side because I found that's where the money was. Uh, and at 21, I found that I needed some money. So rather than having some fun on the air at minimum wage, I decided to try my hand at sales. And I was very b richly blessed with a 25-year career that spanned a, a general managership and owner of a, a, a piece of a radio station for a time. And then I saw the iPod. And in the early 2000s, when I saw that you could put a thousand songs in your pocket, as Steve Jobs so aptly said, I thought, why do you need local radio? And so I chose to look in a different direction to see if the skills that I had honed in my radio career could be good anywhere else. And so what I found was that there were easily transferable skills that I was able to pour into what I really wanted to do. And at that time, I felt 
this, this burning desire to be a public speaker, to be able to be in front of an audience. I had trained many salespeople in my time in the broadcast advertising world, but I had not been a public speaker per se. And so I was asked to perform a customer service training session based on a particular book uh, from a local gentleman who was a friend of mine who was about to take over as president of a local bank. And so he allowed me to look at this book to be able to create a, a training session for them. And I so enjoyed that. And I came back to him some months later and said, gee, Jeff, I'd like to be able to do this full time. And he looked straight at me and said, Bill, I thought you'd never ask. You have a real gift for this and you need to pursue it. He said, but you can't do any more banks for a year because I want to have that competitive advantage you gave us. So I said, that's not a problem. We're good to go. And so literally that was the start of my transition into uh, the speaking and training world. I, I really wanted to be involved in professional sports. That was a, a goal of mine for quite a while. I didn't know exactly how I was going to be in pro sports. I always wanted to be a, pub, a, a published author as well. And so I had all of these goals and I was able to parlay all of them into what I really, really wanted to do. I was creating a customer service training session, presenting it to a suburban Chicago group. And a gentleman was in the audience that was the sales manager for the Chicago White Sox, a professional baseball team here. And he said, you know, we could really use a guy with your kind of energy in pro sports because there are guys that travel around the country training ticket sales departments of pro sports teams. And for me, I had no idea. It was a mind explosion at that time. And so that became my singular goal, to be a part of that. And so with the help of that gentleman, Tom Sheridan, and many, many others, uh, I have been blessed to have been a part of now over 100 different sports sales organizations, helping them sell more tickets and helping them improve their careers. And so that's, that's kind of the timeline of where I am today. And I know, obviously, for everybody, and especially when you talk about sports, this last year for the pandemic must have, well, it's just wiped everything out. So you know, how do you go about now if you start picking the pieces up and looking at a new future? Well, I really felt like I was the typewriter repairman. I had a really good thing that I could do, but nobody needed me. Uh, in fact, 80% of the people that I had trained had been let go, laid off, and uh, would choose another profession. And so I really had to look at myself and say, what do I need to do now to be able to reinvent myself, much like I reinvented myself 15 years ago. And so I looked at where the virtual world was going. I wanted to become more involved as a speaker. And so I looked into doing more of a keynote sort of presentation and how I might deliver that keynote virtually. And so I studied all of the people who were doing virtual. I saw some of the equipment. I tested some of the equipment. And so I, lit I, I like to say I spent my whole summer vacation last year learning how to do virtual. And I did. And so I have created a whole in-home studio, multicam studio, with an A10 mini switcher and the types of things that allow me to do a very well-produced, virtual program from my own office and uh, have been very fortunate to have been hired to do several MC jobs for uh, virtual performances, virtual conferences, virtual 
summits that people were having that they needed someone to be the master of ceremonies for, to ask questions, Q&A, and to work that, and then also to create a keynote address. I had never done a keynote presentation. I've been a member of the what we call the National Speakers Association here in the States, which is a, a, a group of about 4,000 professional speakers. Uh, and I had been a trainer in that sense, but had never done a what's called a keynote presentation, where you might speak for 40 minutes or so in front of an audience as one of the main speakers. And so I looked back at the research I had done for all of the teams that I had worked for, for the last 15 plus years. And I looked at what made someone successful in sales, selling tickets for a pro sports team, versus those that had the potential, but did not succeed. And as I kept looking through the research I had done, the same several things kept popping up. And I said, there's a speech here. There's something to be said here. And so I created a keynote program called the seven voices in your head. I used those seven that seemed to come up most often and I created a multimedia experience using some of the virtual tools that I've learned over the summer to be able to deliver this in a very extraordinary way that does resonate with people and stick with people. And so I've been very fortunate to be hired several times now and, and my bookings are growing to be able to present the seven voices in your head uh, to many different groups, uh, many of which have been affected very negatively by COVID-19 and need some sort of positivity and, and peak performance boost to be able to give them a shot of positive mental health. That's correct. It's uh, it, it's a we're very pleased that at the time that we're talking here that we're about to go into more of a live audience situation here in the states with our sports, which we're very grateful for. Uh, we'll remain to see how it goes. I hope that uh, everything goes as planned. So we are getting back to live sports, but it has been devastating to people through no fault of their own losing this career that they worked so hard to get. And so we're a long ways from over in terms of the uh, the mental health aspect of this. And of course, Linda, your work with the, the mindset and the, the things that you do with caring for the caregivers is, are all really important as well. Oh, thank, thank you, Bill. Yeah, I, I think, for, I think uh, personally, the psychological pandemic is going to run a lot longer than even COVID. Indeed. And it's, it's more an invisible thing. We can see when someone is ill or not. If it, from a, a virus perspective, we cannot see often where people are suffering and it becomes far more difficult to diagnose. And, and I think you're right. This will be a long standing sort of thing that we'll be having to work on. And, and also there, there's still the huge social stigma about mental health. People don't like asking for help. They don't like saying it because they think it's weak or, you know, they should be able to cope and uh, you know, they, they don't actually get the help they need. And then it rolls on to be a real chronic, deep illness that takes a lot longer to recover from. Absolutely. Especially in my profession. In sports, we hire many Division One athletes, people who have gone through college and even through high school, being very, very successful in whatever they happen to be, a basketball player or in rowing or lacrosse or whatever they happen to be playing. And then they come to a team 
and make a hundred calls a day, perhaps reaching a dozen people, and perhaps having three significant conversations of which you might sell one person a set of season tickets. Now, if you're a Division I athlete, that feels a whole lot like failure because you're not moving forward at the pace that you would like. And then throw in the pandemic, finding out that through this whole process of getting this job that you've always wanted with the pro sports team, that through no fault of your own, you can't do that job. It has been extremely devastating for many people within sports, and, and many people have gone undiagnosed to date to be able to get over this. And my hope is that I'm able to reach as many of them as possible. And, and of course, I mean, we, we've got an issue coming up here because actually uh, today things have started opening up a little bit here and we're, we're waiting to see how things go. But we've got a huge amount of anxiety about actually going back into a workplace, going back and having contact with other people. Uh, I've actually uh, dubbed this like the uh, the space programme when they had the, the re-entry anxiety about picking their life up again. The, the pandemic's been something similar as well. It really has. I love your, your analogy with the re-entry anxiety. And it, it really is, it, it, here it almost became more of a Okay, guys, you can all go back now. There was no almost gradual phasing in. Uh, we liked to use the example here where we said we're going to go from a hockey stick to a yardstick, meaning that we'd go from six feet away to three feet away uh, as far as social distancing goes. Well, we totally missed the yardstick completely. We went from a hockey stick to embracing each other. And I, I think there is going to be a little bit of backlash, this whole reentry anxiety has yet to really play out because many of the people who have enjoyed sports and want to go back still have some of that anxiety. And I think uh, it remains to be seen how that will play out. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and what about for yourself? How, how's the, the year been for you psychologically? Oh, thank you for asking, Linda. <laughs> I think every other day has been awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I, part of me has had this, we, I, I've adopted a philosophy of relentless helpfulness. And for those who have needed help from me uh, in terms of helping them get their own home studios set up in ways that my Seven Voices program has helped them perhaps recover and move on, uh, I've been able to help in those ways. And I, it has given me great joy to be able to allow whatever I know to benefit others positively. And so I've really almost taken on this attitude that if I do enough good for others, then things will in inevitably come my way uh, in ways that I can't expect. And it's certainly a biblical kind of philosophy that I share, and I'm a Christian myself, and so that allows for me to live that out right now and so I think some of the healing for myself has come from helping as many people as I can get past this thing. That uh, was just true. I'm, I can't remember if it was a, a Zig Ziglar or um, maybe Napoleon Hill, that if you help enough people to achieve their dreams, your dreams automatically come true. Yes, and I think there's some truth to that. The, the part that you don't know, and this is the part most people don't get, I believe, is you don't know how, what form it's going to come back. And that's part of the joy of it. You don't have a specific dollar value or intrinsic 
thing that's going to come your way as a result of what you're going to put into it, you just put into it. And what you get is oftentimes more valuable and more fulfilling than what you would have expected for yourself if you were to have to write it down. So I've been very grateful uh, in terms of helping others. And, you know, it certainly hasn't come my way in terms of financial success like I have enjoyed, but I do see the tide turning now and I've not taken it lying down. Yeah, no, I think it's amazing what you said, cause certainly since we met and, and had a chat, incredible warmth there and, and openness to, uh, well, participate with me today and uh, uh, the conversations we've had have been so, so uh, insightful and invigorating. Well, you're very kind and I, 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 you know, it's, I've taken the philosophy of if what I know and what I can pass along can benefit others positively, then I have done my job on this earth. Uh, Bill, obviously there's still a lot of things that you'd like to be doing. What, what's the f- future holding for you? <laughs> well, I'd certainly like to do more of this speaking work, and I've become proficient at this seven voices in your head on the virtual stage. I'm excited to bring that now to the live stage. And for those conferences and events that are now opening up, I'll have the opportunity in August and September Uh, to be a master of ceremonies at a large sports conference uh, and also be able to deliver the seven voices in your head at a large sports conference. So I'm excited for both of those things. Uh, There are so many other groups, uh, organizations that have conferences that are coming back that will need the message that I have. And I'm pleased to be able to now field those requests from people to be able to do that. And so I see much of my work being different than my training. Uh, prior to the pandemic, it's helping others get beyond the pandemic through this uh, keynote presentation of the seven voices in your head. You're talking, Bill, about uh, going out and actually taking this live. How how do you feel about that, going back into um, large event forums and things like this? Up until just a month or two ago, I was very nervous about that. I, I have parents that are uh, 80 and 85, I was concerned about them and the health that they had. And so I think I was overly cautious for their sake, just to be sure that I was safe as I could be. And I seeing what the CDC and many others have said now, I feel much better about this. And the cool thing, Linda, I have come up with several ways to do this program live on stage that I've never, ever considered before. Uh, By the way, if anybody needs a good idea, if you're stuck and you're trying to figure out what to do next, go take a hot shower (laughs) because the best ideas come from the shower. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just me, but I seem to get the most calming ideas. My brain is at its peak in, in terms of just thinking about all the different possibilities in the shower. And so I have one of these waterproof pads that you can actually write on like a a notepad in the shower. And I use it every single day. And I'm excited to bring some of the ways in which I was able to do my presentation virtually onto the live stage. And I can't wait to be able to share it with people. Oh, oh, that's fantastic. So obviously it's been a big learning curve for you. I mean, when you changed over into training and then when you had to drop all that training and go virtual. So what sort of things have you learned about yourself in that time? Boy, so many things. The one thing that I'm concerned about as I go forward, I'm a guy that I think has collected opportunities. 
and I collect them almost like baseball cards. You don't know what you're going to do with them, but you're going to collect them. And so I began doing lots of networking groups, lots of one-on-one -on -one conversations with people I would meet in these networking groups, collecting resources, collecting people and relationships that I may call upon at some point in the future. And the challenge that I had with that is I became almost obsessed with collecting for collecting's sake. Mm -hmm. And the concern that I've got going forward with that is that I don't just converse with people for the sake of conversing, saying, gosh, I talked to five people this week, check that off the box, but to have them more meaningful and have them be mutually beneficial rather than simply just checking a box of meeting someone new. And I think that's been the biggest challenge for me is to whittle down the things that I need to do now versus the things that I could be doing now. And so there is that differentiation. I think at some point you have to say, all, with all these options that you have out there, which ones need to go away so that you can focus on the ones that will really make a difference going forward from here. And so I think over choice has been my biggest challenge. That's a good one. Yes, find, whittling them down often is uh, the, the big issue. You, Bill, you spoke about the uh, NSA, which is the National Speakers Association there, and our one here is the Professional Speakers Association. Obviously, there's the Toastmasters International as well. Mm -hmm. um, how much of a part do you think these type of things play in somebody if they're, they're looking to go into to speaking? Oh, my gosh. I, there, I cannot speak highly enough about all of those organizations, Toastmasters, NSA, PSA, these are places where information is freely given and there is nothing held back. It, the, if you wish to know how to become any sort of professional speaker, trainer, consultant, thought leader, these are the places in which to go because those who belong to those organizations are where you were a few years ago and they're very willing to tell you how indeed they got there. I've been quite involved in my Illinois chapter of the National Speakers Association. I am immediate past president, and so I've, I've kind of drank the Kool-Aid, I think, over the last 15 years. But what I've done there is I've met and taken in all that those who I have admired for a very long time have done. And I have a dozen or so mentors, people that I became very closely associated with and could pick up the phone at a moment's notice and get some advice from to be able to move my career forward and did it several times as I moved and transitioned from a trainer only to a trainer slash keynote speaker. So for those who are beginning, do not be intimidated by some of those people that have been in this industry for 20 years. These are the places in which you begin to be one of those people. And I would sincerely ask that you reach out to either PSA, NSA, or Toastmasters International because they're a great place to start. Yeah, I must admit, we've been very lucky. I've, I've been involved with Toastmasters many years and PSA here in the UK, but uh, I've had several uh, guests that have been uh, in NSA uh, uh, top drawer, shall I say there, because Patricia Fripp was the amazing oh. lady that kicked me off with, uh, with my uh, podcast just over a year ago. Well, Fripp is astonishing, and she would fit right in with your dialect, too. <laughs> oh, yes, because uh, yeah. a lot of people don't realise she's actually British. Indeed she is, and uh, you know she's fairly famous. For those who don't know, Patricia's brother, Robert Fripp, is a very famous musician. 
Uh, and I, Patricia may be more famous in her own right with the hats that she wears mm-hmm. uh, at our functions. So uh, she's, she doesn't need the Kentucky Derby to bring out her wonderful hats everywhere she goes. Yeah. Now, very, very generous. Oh, and, and these are the sort of things, uh, Darren LaCroix, uh, also mm. uh, Mark Brown, He's he's been with us as well, Ed Tate. Very, so had... very well-known names within NSA. Yes. And they're, they're so generous, as you say, these are sort of, but they're human. They're people that, yes. you know, you look at them as sort of up there at the top of the, the game. But when you actually speak to them, they're just so human. And I think that's true of about everyone, Linda. I think there's... There's a stigma of, oh my gosh, I can't talk to that person because they're so high up the ladder. But I believe, and especially if there are young people listening to this today, if you have a desire to gain a mentor in your life, someone that you would like to be able to call on for advice or perhaps a, a word of encouragement, and you think that that person is far too high up the ladder to be able to reach out to, give it a shot. Do your very best to find out how you might reach out to them, whether it's electronic or the old-fashioned snail mail, to be able to ask them for some direction. You would be surprised as to the number of people in high positions who find the opportunity for mentorship as rewarding as you will find their guidance. Don't be afraid to reach out. Yeah, very, very, very true. And uh, I think that... That's what we do. We stop ourselves a lot of times thinking, oh, I'm not worthy or, you know, what have, what have I got to put in here? Or I don't have proper stories yet and things like this. But uh, it's surprising what somebody else can see in you. Indeed. there's. It's hard to read the label when you're inside the bottle. Yeah, very true. So, Bill, what what do you think you're going to be doing this time next year? Wow. I love that question because I haven't even thought about it yet. <laughs> So this is your first opportunity to hear what's in my brain as we go forward. I would love to be able to be equally divided, happily divided, between the sports world, of which I'm still a a major portion of, and the general speaking world, which I hope to be far more involved in with my keynote and a 21-day challenge that I'm creating with regard to the seven voices in your head to be able to incorporate those into your life. That's really what I'm looking for is an equal division for them. And I'm equally excited about both of them because they are helping others be better at what it is they want to do. So that's what I see. And uh, I, I will probably be on the road a bit more. Uh, I quite a lot of travel miles. Uh, in fact, in 2017, I was 140 nights in hotels that year. Oh, wow. uh, I don't think I'll ever want to get to that point again. Uh, I think, like many speakers, they have seen, gee, this virtual thing isn't so bad. I can stay home and uh, I I don't get to deal with travel and the airports and the the taxis and all the other things that have to go along with them that I I had to endure in order to do what I do. And so I would imagine I'll have a combination of virtual and live events uh, and perhaps 50 or so nights a year next year in hotels. That's kind of my goal. Yeah. Very nice. And, but yes, virtual has been really great because like now we can pop across the pond and uh, still sit in the comfort of our, our own homes. I have been astonished. There's a group that I'm a part of that is worldwide, uh, 34 different countries, I believe, that all help each other do business across borders with each other. And we get on every two weeks. We talk about the leads that we're giving each other 
helping each other get what they need to have within the different countries that they represent. And it's astonishing how much we all have in common and how easy it is today to be globally connected almost instantly. There is zero lag in these conversations that we have back and forth. And so I, I applaud the technology people that have allowed us to get to this stage. And I'm so grateful that we now have the tools to be able to do things like we're doing right now, Linda. Yeah, this, this is wonderful. So, Bill, if you had to go back and uh, talk to that young man that was going to start off uh, you know, with that first training session, what would you tell him? What sort of advice would you be giving him? <laughs> well, I can tell you the day I, I uh, trained, the very first day in 2004, driving up to the United Center in Chicago from my home, my very first training session was with the Chicago Bulls, oh, uh, the one of the most recognized teams in all of the world. And in driving up there, I was very confident preparing for all of this, for the two months that I had to prepare. But on the way up, boy, my voices were doing a number on me. And uh, I had to stop in the parking lot, grab my steering wheel with both hands, tripping the wheel. And I had to, to really quiet those voices down, this inadequacy I was feeling at that time imposter syndrome that you're probably familiar with and many of your listeners are mm -hmm. that you're wondering how is it you're here there, you, you've never done this before how could you possibly be qualified to tell them how to sell anything and I just quieted them down and I said you can do this you have been working your whole life to get to this point you may not do it perfectly but you are exactly what they need to hear right now I got out of the car uh, still shaking a little bit but I was able to get through those three days of training very well. And I'm pleased to say that the Bulls each year have hired me in to help them do their training. And I, it's, uh, other than last year, of course, which no one was doing training, uh, I have been their trainer since 2004. Wow. And it is my longest running and my most favorite client of all time. Oh, well, we have um, a director uh, with uh, Chapel FM Art Centre who are the, the hosts for the, the radio programme. And uh, he's actually from Chicago too. Hey, that's terrific. So, well, terrific. so Tony will be very interested to hear about uh, <laughs> uh, all of this as well because uh, he's been here, I think, now uh, about three years. So uh, you know, just to keep touch with what's going on at home must be nice. That's wonderful. Yes, and, and I do have a goal as I go now a little more globally. I think I'm getting a little more adventurous, Linda, in my old age, that I would love to be able to work in every continent doing sales training, bringing what we know how to do well here in the U.S. Uh, to those countries who would like to be able to see a little more success in their sales train, in their uh, ticket sales. And so I uh, would love to be able to talk to anyone that has the opportunity for me to do that. So I, if I may put that out there, I would be pleased to hear from others that may have that up, that be able to perhaps fulfill that dream for me. Yeah, And I'm, I must admit, you know, if anybody's ever been to the States, and myself, yeah, I've been lucky, I've been in various places in the States, but customer service in the States is second to none. It's really, it, it, I'm truly astonished at how people can provide that level of service every single day and still deal with some of the angry people. And because and, sometimes we're rude here too. We, we're not always the most pleasant people to deal with. And to have those customer service people always do things with a smile and to be able to do that. Certainly Orlando and Disney World has had a lot to do with raising the bar here in the States. 
I think others look to them as kind of the, the litmus test of the standard of performance. Uh, and those who are in Orlando competing with them certainly have to live up to that. But I think in general, we have done an excellent job of maintaining as good a customer service level as anything I've heard or seen around the world. Very much so. I mean, even if, you know, you just stop when you're driving and go in for a coffee, you know, they're always so pleasant. And uh, I must admit, uh, there's there's some things in America that are as, as great, but the customer service is is it is. It, it's top. I haven't been to another country. Uh, other countries are polite, but there's there's not the engagement and the warmth of you know what there is in the states. We could use to do a little bit better, but I think comparatively we're doing great. And thank yeah. you for saying that. And I'll. Uh... Uh, I will take that as a compliment for our entire country, Linda. Thank oh, you. You're welcome. No, I've always enjoyed my visits, I must admit. <laughs> so, Bill, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way of getting uh, more information? Well, I answer all of my emails directly. My company is the 800-pound gorilla, uh, which is a, a business term from the 50s. And so I have adopted that uh, at the email address. It's bill at the800poundgorilla.com, T-H-E-800-P-O-U-N-D, gorilla. Uh, it was a business term in the 50s to actually describe companies at the time that were so big and dominant, it was very difficult to compete with them. At oh, the wow. time, it would have been General Motors or IBM or uh, Bell Telephone Company at that time. Uh, what I do is help others to become the dominant player in whatever market they serve, whether it be sports or something else. And so, Bill at the 800-pound gorilla, you're welcome to look at. I have a, a website devoted to my website called or to my keynote called the7voices.com. T H E number seven voices.com, uh, and you can catch me on Twitter at 800-pound gorilla. Not that you are an 800-pound gorilla, Bill. <laughs> a little bit more since COVID, but uh, working on that. <laughs> oh, I think everybody's, yeah, yeah, it's a COVID spread, I think. <laughs> Indeed. I call it the COVID 800, but uh, oh. no one under, seems to understand that. <laughs> well, Bill, thank you so much. I'm sure we could talk for hours and hours, but time always gets the better of us. And maybe we could do it in a year's time to see actually how far you've got on your plans. I would so love that, Linda. And to those who are listening... Keep the faith, keep working at what you're doing, follow your dreams and what you love, uh, and have some of that relentless helpfulness for others around you. Thank you so much, Bill. Really, really appreciate your time and, and all your insights. It's been wonderful. Indeed, my pleasure, Linda. And for everybody, thank you so much for joining us. And as I always say, the great thing about podcast is you can pause and you can replay as many times as you want to because there's a huge amount of golden nuggets there to take away. So for now, until next time, as always, be kind to yourself, take care, and uh, I will see you again soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded in conjunction with the Chapel FM Art Centre and East Leeds FM radio station. For more information about them and all the good work that they do is www.elfm.co.uk and to know more about what Linda Sage is doing her website is www.lindasage.com also on all the other social medias.